0: The Minicam Show featuring Lenny is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook. You bet, you get, with Caesar Rewards. Must be 21 or older. Welcome back to the Minicam Show Featuring Lenny. Only NFL podcasts. Where one of the hosts says, Harrison Bucker, is the NFL player he'd most like to sniff. That's Lenny. The Minikimes. We are talking today about the division in which Harrison Bucker plays, maybe not the most prominent player. It is time to preview the AFC West. And I am joined by JP Acosta, who I almost uninvited after he tweeted that when the warp tour happened, he was like four really upsetting to see that JP that you say that because there's a clip on the internet circulating. I reposted it of uh, Jaguars players circa 2004, really Jack Del Rio reacting to the fact that the Warp Tour was happening near their practice field, which was incredible.
1: Yeah, I had no idea that the Warp Tour was a tour. I thought it was a band. So when it got put in our uh, work data explanation, I was like, hey, who are these people? And just immediately 10 messages of JP, oh my God, why don't you know this? And I'm like, dog I was four when this happened i don't have anything anything like pre-2006 my memory is no no no
0: uh i I guess i can use this opportunity to educate you warp tour was a very seminal uh tour for people my age who liked a certain kind of music this is really like early 2000s football and early 2000s warp tour is like the perfect venn diagram of my interests um I'll send you some links after JP. I'll send you some bands. You've heard of some of the bands that played, right? Like Yellow Card, All American Rejects, Saves the Day. I've heard
1: of, I've heard of All American Rejects. Okay. There might it might be some hidden misses, hits and misses in there, but oh I know some of them.
0: Um all right. Well, the clip's very fun. You guys can check it out. We are not here to talk about the AFC South, despite the fact that um sort of you're in AFC Southland out, out there in Florida. We are talking about the West, um, which is a really interesting division. I, you know, as I was doing this, I mean, I think we all kind of have the Chiefs on top, obviously, and top of the NFL, and we'll talk about the Chiefs, of course, uh, who are in the news this week with some injuries and contract stuff. Um, But I think the Broncos, Chargers, Raiders, kind of hard teams to get your arms around, maybe, especially – the Broncos and the Raiders to some degree, so I'm excited to do this. Excited to talk this through with you. Uh, let's start with the Broncos. Is that okay? Because I, I, um, I think that's the one that I need to talk through the most. Because I, uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm having trouble placing them, not just in the context of this division, but in the NFL. I think it starts with the obvious fact that we're coming off of Russell Wilson's worst season as an NFL player. So trying to project what the Broncos will be, what their goal should be, whether they can compete for a playoff spot really comes down to the simple question of can Sean Payton get more out of Russell Wilson? And I think that's the question is like, what does more look like? What is he capable of at this point in his career? So I think we should probably start there before we get to the defense, which, you know, it is a little bit easier to talk about. Um, how do you, like, view the marriage of Peyton and Wilson?
1: I think it's kind of weird initially when it first happened because my biggest question was, what is Sean Peyton going to try and turn Russell Wilson into? Like, we, we all see, oh, he had great experience with Drew Brees. That partnership worked really well. Russell Wilson and Drew Brees are not the same type of quarterback at all. And if we look at what Russell Wilson was doing last year, we all saw what he looked like on tape, but the stats, back it up. He was really bad in almost every category that he used to be very good in. You know, from in short area accuracy, he was 27th out of 28th in positive play rate. He was not very good in the short area. He had a negative 0.42 EPA per attempt in that area. It, it was real. It was really bad on everything it looked like he just lost confidence or just lost something it it felt like you know when the Monstars took the uh the NBA players powers it looked like he was out there like without the powers that he used to have so I'm wondering what is Sean Payton going to try and make Russell Wilson into is he going to try and turn this into a play action heavy scheme where you kind of get him out of the pocket and get him away from the areas that make him very uncomfortable like we saw last year or is he going to try and turn him into a, another Drew Brees, which I don't know if that's going to work with Russell Wilson at this stage in his career.
0: I think Sean Payton, who I I've talked about, I had him talked about him in my coaches rankings pod uh, pod, is uh, you know he's one of the best coaches in the history of the NFL, and. He is is not going to force Wilson into a late-career Drew Brees-sized box. Like, John Payton is not stupid, right? He watched last year. Uh, I've heard him talk about it a little bit. Um, (laughs) You know, he has probably been watching. You know, he's aware of Wilson's trajectory over the last few years. So, for him, it comes down to, okay, how do I optimize the players we have? How do I get more out of the quarterback? How do I cut back? How do I – design around some of the weaknesses that have become pretty apparent. And and I want to start by saying Russell Wilson, you know, those weaknesses come with a pretty significant and important caveat, which is the situation was awful last year, both in terms of play calling and just the general operation of the offense. So many injuries on that offensive line. This was uh, according to football outsiders, adjusted games lost metric, the most injured team in football last year, but it was a really, the offensive line in particular was a nightmare and it's like, it was like a perfect storm Jay because it's like you had an injured offensive line. uh, You lose the receiver. I mean, you lose Tim Patrick for the season. I know that sounds like a, like it's Tim Patrick, but Tim Patrick is a good player. And I actually thought he was a really good match with Russell Wilson because he was a deep threat for them. Gone. uh, You know, the other receivers were in and out KJ Hamler half the season, whatever. So it was like a perfect storm of, there were areas in which Wilson was already declining as a quarterback dating back to the last year or so in Seattle. And then he ran into a situation that was bad for him, both in terms of the play calling and the injuries that I think all of those things kind of combined to make everybody look worse than they were. Like one of the things I think about Wilson that I don't think is going to change at this point in his career is uh he's just less elusive in the pocket i mean that something that really jumps out is his sack rate when pressured you know even the last final three years in seattle he was about average in that regard and last year uh he had a 28 percent sack rate when pressured which was the sixth highest in the nfl i'm surprised it wasn't higher honestly watching him i don't think that's reversing like he is not going to get more elusive um But he still has a good arm. You saw that on display a little bit. So I think for Peyton, it's kind of like, okay, how can I optimize this offense to mitigate the pressure issue, allow Russell Wilson to hunt for matchups, which is you know Peyton's brand of football, and take advantage of his deep ball? And I think those three things are kind of where you start in terms of like, how do we make this offense look competent?
1: Yeah, and I think With the offseason moves, I think they're kind of headed that way. You know, with adding Mike McGlinchey to the offensive line, I think they're going to be more leaning into the ground game. They're going to try and get teams into heavier boxes, heavier personnel, going to try and pound teams in the run game. And then you get Russell Wilson out the pocket, he can still get the deep ball down there. He can still get the ball to Courtland Sutton, to Jerry Judy, Tim Patrick. On paper, this receiver room is really, really good. It's just, can Russell Wilson work in that offense. I think it's probably his best option at this point, which is we're going to, it's not necessarily letting Russ cook, but it's more like we're going to give it, we're going to give you the instructions. You know, we're not going to tell you like, Hey, this is all yours. But once you get out that pocket, here's what you do. It's boot action, you know? And I think that's the best way for Russell Wilson to kind of age gracefully into the back end of his career.
0: And your point about the run game is really important because yeah, I mean, first of all, everything they've done offseason wise in terms of personnel points to an emphasis on the run game. You're talking about the signing of Lynchy, Powers out of Baltimore, tight ends are bringing in. This is a team that wants to do a better job running the football. Uh, one of the, I think, best news for this team we've heard in a while is that Javante Williams is like practicing. I thought that might drag out into camp. So that's fantastic news. He's seems to be fully back, which is amazing. Um, because I, I think at this point in Wilson's career, having an efficient run game, which was not the case last year, it matters a lot. Um, part because another thing that like he struggled with, even before last season, this was something discussed a lot in Seattle those final two years is, um, he was, he really struggled against too high coverage, which was not the case his entire career. I want to be clear about that. If you actually look back in earlier years, the numbers are not as stark, but from 2020, 21, 22, there's a pretty big discrepancy between his performance versus single high versus too high uh, versus single high, ninth in on target percentage, 14th in adjusted completion percentage, 17th in CPOE. Not a mate, that's a lot of that's dragged down by last year versus too high, 32nd. In on target, 28th in adjusted completion, 31st in CPOE. Now, as you know, JP, um, when you face too high, you can, you know, pull a Patrick Mahomes and turn into a a quick game, like a short throw killing machine. But that's just not Russell Wilson. What you can also do is run the football and run defenses out of those looks. And I think it's really important for him that Denver has the capacity to do that.
1: Yeah. And I think it goes back to something I wrote about last year, which is Widening the margin for error for your quarterback. You don't want to make it so that every throw has to be yeah. perfect, or everything's just going to completely fall apart. With the run game, having that efficient run game, you're going to have to bring down a defender if that's going to if you're going to get teams out of too high. So with that, Russell Wilson, you don't want him to consistently have to make perfect throws every time because he just can't do that anymore, and that's fine at this point in his career. But now. Now that he's at this age, you need to give him something to help him out a little bit, and I think Sean Payton and the front office they've kind of leaned into that a little bit more.
0: I also really like the addition of Samaj P. Ryan to that end. By the way, that was yeah, another yeah. like kind of flew under the radar signing where I heard Payton talking about him. Chima- Compare, I think he compared him to Kamara. I don't want to. He wasn't saying like he was the same <laughs> player as Kamara, but you know, just talking about uh, how he's going to use him. And that's, I think he's a really good player. And I think the combination of a healthy Williams, P Ryan, better offensive line really reduces like the margins for air as you're talking about. And um, yeah. And I still like this group of skill players love Greg Dulcich. I'm really excited to see what Peyton does with him. Um, The ingredients are there to, you know, maybe not cook, but make like a decent Meal like a competent meal, uh. You just need Wilson to be a little bit better, and um, well, a lot better, frankly. But he's definitely, you know, injuries notwithstanding, in a in one of the uh, it's it's a good situation for a quarterback. So I'm not going to try to project what will happen, um, just because I do think some of the things as I talked about are not going to reverse. But I also think we really saw the worst possible scenario last year. Um, yeah,
1: it was Petri dish of, like, bad vibes.
0: Dude, The around. you alluded to this at the top. The short accuracy stuff is what threw me the most when he was just, like, dirting. I mean, he just looked totally broken, so...
1: It was, it was really bad, and even then, he had a 17.9% sack rate on those short passes, so if he wasn't dirting the ball, he was getting sacked on timing passes, so it just, all of it was not good at all.
0: Um, the defense is a little bit easier to uh, talk about. I mean, this is a defense that last year, I not talk about, but I guess project, maybe, is what I want to say. Uh, they finished 10th in DVOA. They're very good against the pass, less good against the run. They did trade away Bradley Chubb halfway through the season, um, which certainly affected the pass rush. But they have... A lot of they have like a lot of really good players, you know, led, of course, by Patrick Sertan. You got Justin Simmons. I'm not really sure who's playing safety uh, next to Justin Simmons. I know Kareem Jackson is back, but I don't know if he's going to start. Um, they, you know, Randy Gregory was hurt last year. Baron Browning does open the season hurt, which sucks because I think he's a good player. They signed Frank Clark. They drafted Drew Sanders, fun draft pick linebacker who is really good rushing <laughs> the passer. Uh, and then they added Zach Allen after losing Draymond Jones. So I guess just kind of looking at it as a whole. Oh, and m- m- very notably, Ajiro Evero, the defensive coordinator, is gone. Steve, Will, uh, pardon me, uh, Vance, Joseph. No, no, no. Yeah, Vance Joseph it is, is Van- in. Vance yeah, Vance. yeah, sorry. I'm, all the different defensive coordinators. The Arizona
1: up. coaching pipeline is very Yes. very
0: Okay, so Joseph is is in. Um, how do you view this group as a whole? Like, Do you think that... They finished 10th last year. Are you, when you look at all the changes that I alluded to, step forward, step back, like what do you think?
1: I think they maybe take a little step back, but I don't think it's going to be that much because that defense is still going to be really, really good. I mean, you you talk about if Kareem Jackson is going to start next to uh, Justin Simmons, I think Caden Stearns is going to take that spot. I think Caden Stearns yeah. in Justin Simmons' absence last year played really, really good. They asked him to do a lot of different things, and he was – Honestly, like they have such a talented DB room, but they're still kind of missing a consistent second corner, which will either be Damari Mathis or Riley Moss. We'll see going into this year. Um, I think Vance Joseph is going to look at Drew Sanders and think, hey, I had Isaiah Simmons and Zayvon Collins, who are big linebackers who can blitz. Let's just go get another big linebacker who can blitz, and we'll see what we can do here. So I really do think this defense, if they take a step back, it's going to be by a little bit, but they're still extremely talented. It sucks that Baron Browning is hurt to start the season because he was. I really awesome like him. Yeah. Like they, they played him a middle linebacker and he was good, but then they moved him to edge and he was awesome. So it's it's really cool to have that ability. So they're they're going to be really good again. It's just I don't know if it's going to be like top ten good. It might be eleven, twelve, but they'll still be very good.
0: If you guys don't know who Riley Moss is, Google cornerback Riley Moss for a fun surprise. Uh, <laughs> um, so I think I, – I agree. I, I'm, I'm optimistic. I am very, though, intrigued. I, don't, I had a brain fart at the top about Joseph, but I think one of the more interesting things is the philosophical change because – which is funny. Like the, We talk about it with the Vikings, big the Dolphins. Cardinals? I mean, pardon me, Broncos going from Everett to Joseph is on its face – Pretty significant philosophical change defensively. I mean, Arizona under Vance, uh, when he coached the defense there for quite some time, had the highest blitz rate in the NFL, played a lot of cover three, cover one. Last year, the Broncos defense were a big quarters team, a lot of split safety, a lot of disguise. Um did blitz at a pretty high race, which which I think is interesting because Ev- Evro is a Fangio tree guy, and people don't always associate Fangio with. That. I think some of that had to do with um, personnel, and uh, but but very notably, and this is this is what I'm, I'm interested in. Broncos. I talked about I, at the top. I mentioned that the run defense was not great. They played a ton of light boxes, which of course is a Fangio thing. That's not what Arizona did with Joseph. Now, again, some of that I think is personnel. So it's kind of hard for me to say, I think Arizona has had such unique defensive players over the last few years and also holes in their defense. It's kind of hard for me to say, oh, Vance Joseph's going to come in. He's going to blitz like crazy. They're going to you know, no longer play with light boxes. I don't know if that's the case, but it has the potential to be rather different JP, uh, which I think is going to be interesting to watch in the first few weeks of the season.
1: Yeah. One of the things that I noticed when I was going back and watching the Idro Evero defense for the Broncos is when they did play cover three, it was always late rotation. Yep. It was going to be, they're going to go from too high. They're going to buzz down late. That's what, that's a lot of what Caden Stearns did. He was the buzz down uh, defender. So I think they'll probably incorporate that early in the season as they still try, try to get adjusted. And that's how they'll mitigate kind of that just not greatness against the run. They'll buzz a guy down late. But I do think it'll be a little bit more interesting of a schematic change, uh, an identity change. Because like you said, Arizona was very weird in terms of their personnel, which was a whole bunch of guys who maybe can do this well, also can do this Nobody's really great at one thing. And we know in Denver, you have some guys who are great at certain things. Yes. You know, you have Patrick Ruffin, who is great, and you can just leave him on an island. He is scheme-proof. You, you can change whatever you want about the scheme. You just know you if you have number two out there, you can leave him alone and think about everybody else on the defense. So I think having him, having Justin Simmons, that will kind of mitigate the identity personnel.
0: Thousand percent. Yeah. I mean, the secondary is just better than anything Joseph had to work. So it's just kind of like, OK, well, maybe, you know, he's been a creative play caller a very experienced play caller. So I'm. that's why I'm reluctant to say, well, he's going to come in and they're going to do this and this and this. It's like, well, you know, it's very different players. And I think he's probably going to tailor the defense to the strengths of the players. Shoot, again, I would look at the last couple of years and you're not really wanting to change that much because of how good this defense has been. But maybe there's things he can do to get more out of players. You, you know, Zach Allen is a player he essentially brought with him from Arizona. I think he's a good player at defensive end. Um, so yeah, you know, kind of different players, different tools. It'll be interesting. I'm excited. I mean, it, it's a good hire. You know, he's, I, I thought he got a lot of an Arizona defense that was not very talented at, at points. Yeah. Um, so I, I didn't hate that at all as much as losing Evro hurts. Uh, yeah. So Denver Broncos, interesting team. Wait, I. wait a second. We'll talk about them kind of in the context of the division at the end. Um, Let's do the Chiefs here. Uh, so I alluded to some news for Kansas City. Uh, Kadarius Tony tweaked. I want to get this right. Tweaked his needs. It's, it's not something you ever want to hear, especially with a player who's had injuries like him. I uh, kind of reluctant to say more about it. You know, it's, I mean, it's not like a, I don't, I haven't seen anything dramatic about it. And then there's the Chris Jones wanting to get paid. So, but let's put that off. Let's talk about the Chiefs' defense in a second. Uh, let's focus on the offense. The Tony thing matters, I think. Let's start there because the Chiefs do not need Kadarius Tony. I don't think they need anyone except for Travis Kelsey in an offensive line, other than, of course, Patrick Mahomes. But. The way they used him last year, um, which is to say, everywhere in every way, was pretty intriguing. And I have to think that that was something, you know, given how much they traded for him, like built into their plans for this year. It's like, okay, we got this guy. He's got like really absurd movement skills. We can line up in the back, we can use him on jet sweeps and end arounds. Remember the motion and TD in the Super Bowl? Like, he's so interesting as a player. Combined with, of course, Andy Reid, who's this madman. It's one of those things I could take, just kind of put them over the top in certain games. So if he, I, I do think he matters, even if he is not, and I don't think ever will be, a traditional number one.
1: Yeah, I think the, the potential of losing Kadarius Tony, matters a bit. But I also wonder how much have they planned Sky more to be the
0: kind of great glass yeah. in case
1: of emergency. Because... Before they added Kadarius Tony, he was doing a lot of that stuff as well. He was doing the, a lot of that motion, a lot of the sweep stuff. So I wonder how much of that is. Hey, we have Sky Moore. We can kind of we can live without having Kadarius Tony for the early parts of the season. I think Rasheed Rice is going to play a lot in this offense. I think I still think the way that they kind of shifted their offense from being the Deep ball or no ball offense that we saw when Patrick Mahomes first got there to the most efficient offense we've probably ever seen in the NFL in the span of like a year, year and a half is insane. But I do think that having guys like Rasheed Rice, who's a very good complement to what Sky Moore, or Kadarius Toney already do, it's gonna make it's gonna make a lot of a difference for this Chiefs offense. So I don't know if it's a huge loss of Kadarius Toney, but it'll it'll hurt for a little bit in the in the first part of the season.
0: Yeah, the I mean with the Chiefs offense, it's always just like what matters, I think is the place you start from because they have shown us in that they can make every adaptation That Patrick Mahomes can solve every problem. I'm not going to bore people with the numbers. You can look them up. I mean, last year they were, you know, he was bottom 10 team and averaged at the target. Didn't matter. Still incredibly efficient. The best rushing efficiency of Patrick Mahomes' career. Every year, by the way, in the Mahomes era, they've just gotten better and better at running the football. Um, because they've invested in that offensive line, which now they have the best interior offensive line in the, or mm, sorry, chiefs Eagles will get the run for the money, but they're they're, it's between them and the Eagles really. Um, And, you know, so, so when you, when you look at this offense and you ask, okay, what matters, I guess, like I said, Tony for me is like, okay, like this is a fun thing, but it does. I don't think either of us are particularly worried. I think the only thing that really matters is if they lose Travis Kelsey. I guess yeah, you could I argue think, if Donovan Smith is a train wreck, maybe that'll matter. What yeah. do you think? I think
1: that's where I would start. When I was looking at my notes through uh, going back through the Chiefs offense, I was like, I'd, I don't know where you'd really say the big question is outside of if these two tackles they signed don't pan out. I mean, they paid Juwan Taylor $80 million. I thought they were going to pay him to play left, which would have been really yeah. weird because he'd only played right his entire career in the NFL, but they're going to play him at right. Davis Smith's going to play left. And we've seen that you do kind of have to protect Patrick Mahomes. As much as he is a problem solver from the pocket, we've seen that you have to actually keep him upright. But the one thing that achieves the, the local things they have going for them is they have Andy Heck, the offensive line coach, who's terrific. Yeah. They have Andy Reid, and they have Patrick Mahomes. That is the perfect nucleus outside of Philadelphia for any offensive lineman you bring in to succeed. So... Outside of like that, the edge that tackle problems, I don't really see much stopping the Chiefs' offense because they have so many problem solvers.
0: I think with Donovan Smith, there's there's a lot of sort of variables that go into like our evaluation of whether he can be better. Because he was bad last year. He was bad. And also had a ton of penalties. Everybody knows this. We talked about it. Um and he was he was better, you know, during the Bucks Super Bowl run, but it's like, okay, how do I put this? There's things that kind of make you optimistic, and I think there's things that make you nervous as a Chiefs fan. The things that make you nervous are, well, he yeah, was better during the Bucks run, but Tom Brady was getting the ball out so unbelievably quickly. Not the case, Kansas City. Um, the, I think the things that make you optimistic are that he was injured last year. I've read that he was battling injuries at various points all season that he was playing behind a frankly tire fire situation in Tampa. Now he gets to play next to the aforementioned, you know, incredible interior offensive line. Um, So those things, and then that he can be helped out there. There's schematically things. I think, you know, the the chiefs play with a ton of tight ends on the field Um, that should help as well. I think, you know, some of the, like, I, I think their run game is, generally just a lot better and, you know, more diverse than Tampa's. It's, it is going to be interesting to see early on if he has some of those struggles, because yeah, I think you could argue that more, that probably does, I don't know what matters more, him or Travis Kelsey. They both matter. Those are the two things that matter. Those are the only two things that I think could derail what you think you and I both agree uh, projects to continue to be, you know, an unstoppable killing machine on offense. It's it's good. Yeah. I mean, it's it's the chiefs, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do this. Uh, Chris Jones matters a lot. Okay. So that's, I do want to talk about that because um, he is not, he's not there as of this recording. Maybe he'll be there. Then maybe there'll be a deal done by the time this comes out. But as of Tuesday, July 25th, the two sides are apart on Chris Jones contract. He wants to get, uh, I think it's been reported something a little bit closer to the Aaron Donald contract, which no defensive tackle has. There's been a lot of big defensive tackle contracts recently, but nobody's come close to the $30, million, 30 I think it's $31 million a year Aaron Donald contract. Jones, I, I haven't seen that he wants to top it, but he wants to be right there. And JP, I think he deserves it, man. Like I Just looking through some of Chris Jones' Stats This year and thinking through some of his performances uh, last season, uh, not only did he play a ton of football, I posted this on Twitter, he had the most snaps of any defensive tackle in the NFL last year. Second most if you only count the regular season. So it wasn't just because the Chiefs went to the Super Bowl. He ranked first in like literally every category. He ranked first in pass-rush-win rate, which is ESPN's metric if you beat a block in 2.5 seconds or less. No other Chiefs defensive tackle ranked in the top 50. He ranked first amongst all defensive tackles in pressures. The next Chief was Kalen Saunders, who's no longer a Chief. He ranked first in pass-rush wins versus double teams last year by a massive margin between him and Aaron Donald. He ranked first in most sacks created. I could go on and on. The point is he was incredible. He was prolific. They don't really have a lot of depth behind him. Like you take him out of this defense and it looks very different.
1: It is vastly different without Chris Jones. And one of the things that he does is he's kind of their closer, you know, yeah. when it comes down to late points in the games, we We've we've all seen it last season. When the game gets real close, Chris Jones just seems to hit another level. He did that to the Raiders like every game last season. He did it in the Chiefs game. He did it in the Super Bowl where he was just unblockable for like the entire fourth quarter. And they really kind of design their pass rush plan off of Chris Jones. They move Chris Jones out to to the edge and move him across a defensive line. They design everything around him and his ability to win in no, no matter what situation. So to me, I would pay him anything that he asks for. I think that he is that good. He is that important to that defense. And with them, they're going to be really good on defense. Without him, I don't know how good they're going to be.
0: You know, like we talk a lot about the ways in which having Mahomes and Reed allows the Chiefs to save money. You know, I, I think we all agree the Chiefs don't need to spend a lot of money at receiver. Um, Obviously running back. This is where they can't save money. I, I just that's, you know, kind of like I just look at this team and um, and I like the young talent and we're going to talk about it, but they can't this is just, he has them. Like, they need him. I, it's just, he, he has them. Uh, you talked about him being moved to the edge. It's funny, like, year one when they did that, it was, like, kind of a disaster, but I think they really figured it out last year. I mean, he didn't play on the edge a ton, but whenever, he, I, I think his sack rate uh, playing up from the edge and pressure rate was like pretty efficient. Um, yeah, man. He's so strong. He's so like, he's got moves. He's, he's just such an amazing player. Um, and yeah, like the depth thing is a real issue. I think like, you know, they they have young talent. I thought Karloftis came on as the season went on. Uh, they did draft. Um, I'll make sure I say his name right. I'm trying to get this one locked in I do, I do uh shoot felix out of dk uzama uh yeah. out of k-state who was a super prolific pass rusher in college but you know he's a he's a rookie uh, i don't know uh i guess that, that let me ask you that do you feel like let's let's assume the deal gets done i think the deal will get done how do you feel about the pass rush around jones like do you think it's good enough I
1: think they could stand to probably add one more different type of pass rusher. I think they all they all have pass rushers who are of the same type. Felix D.K. Mm. Uzama is probably the only one that's very different, but he's more of a high effort bend player. They don't have anybody who's truly naturally bend, get around the corner. George Colofus isn't that Charles manyhu, who they just signed from San Francisco, he's not that um Mike Dana, as much as I love what Mike Dana has done, he's more of an interior pass rusher, yes, so I it's think a lot they of guys. can stand to add, yeah.
0: Who are interior they, they have guys? Because Amenahu is another, yeah, like you alluded to, like the Niners, he's really he has that inside outside versatility, but he he's not like that designated pass rusher, win around the edge consistently. There, you're right. There's no one like that really on the roster. Like,
1: if they really if they really want to go get somebody who would be a designated pass rusher to win around the edge, I mean, unique. Go sign Yannick and yeah. who. That that is the one thing that he has done his entire career. I, they just need a different style of pass rush. I agree. I think they they need to mix it up. It, that'll help out Chris Jones and everybody else on the defensive
0: line a lot. I would like that. Um, yeah, I think that that makes a ton of sense. Um, otherwise, I you know I've talked a lot about how this young defense played so much better down the stretch. Uh, I think this is the year when you can kind of cash in on some of those reps, right? All those young DBs who played last year and kind of had their ups and downs and went through the rookie struggles, but had big moments at the end of the season. now you benefit from that because um, like Brian Cook's going to start Thornhill's gone. That's big. That's a big transition. McDuffie. Hopefully you get a full year out of him. He was great as a rookie, um, and if you do, then it's like, okay, b- between him, Sneed, you know, Watson, we'll see how he gets used. I, th- there's a lot of, and then, and the linebacker group, which was for so long, felt like a weakness went well, up for so long, but like talking about Mahomes era, uh, suddenly feels like a strength. I mean, you know, I, I uh, they signed Drew Tranquil, who's better in coverage, but I think gives them a nice change up. But because they've got all these stumpers at linebacker, if they're all mm-hmm. healthy. That's a really between, you know, Gay, Bolton, chanel Tranquil. That's a pretty deep group. It's pretty talented.
1: It is very talented. And it's also versatile. When you look at what offenses want to do now, which is get teams into heavier personnel and then pass out of those looks, we're going to see a lot more 21, a lot more 12 personnel. Yeah. If, you have multiple, if you're going to have multiple linebackers on the field, they should be able to do different things. I think adding Drew Tranquil was great for them because, like you said, he was really good in coverage. That's something that Leo Chenal just isn't at yeah. right now. What Leo Chenal is is a very good run defender. He will come up and thump a guard if he has to. Um, Nick Bolton was awesome last year. I really liked how Willie Gay and Nick Bolton both played. They're both so fast to the ball. They're, they both get there in an instant. And like you said with the young DBs, they were so good on the back half of the uh, season. I think through the first eight weeks, pre pre bye week, they were 25th in EPA allowed per pass attempt. post bye, they were six. So they they took a huge jump. I really like how Joshua Williams played. So now you have kind of a good problem opposite LeJarius Need. You can play Jalen Watson or you can play Joshua Williams. Brian Cook, like you said, is going to start. Love Trent McDuffie. In the nickel, he 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 would come up and tackle, and he was really he tough. Was so like, good okay, I see. Last year, he's
0: mm-hmm. and he's a different kind of nickel so, from Snead. Like in terms of you know, it's I, I think to your point, what Steve Spagnuolo really has the ability is to play matchup football on the back end with all these mm-hmm. versatile, not just DBs but linebackers. Um, so yeah, I'm really excited about this back seven for Kansas City front. Defense tackle concerns, a little bit of a concern. Pass rush is okay. Outside of Jones, could use a little bit of help, but they're the Chiefs. They'll be fine. Let's take a quick break and then talk about teams that may or may not be fine. Tickets to the game, merch, meals at iconic restaurants, stays at Caesar's Palace. All this can be yours when you bet with Caesar's Sportsbook. Win or lose, every bet earns reward credits, which you can redeem across the empire. Now, if you haven't started yet, register using code OMAHAFULL and then place your first bet up to $1,250. If you win, great keep those winnings. But if you lose, you'll get your stake back as a bonus bet. 21 and older only offer valid and must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Massachusetts, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. New users and first $10 plus wagers only. Must register with an eligible promo code. Bet amount of qualifying wager returned only if wager is settled as a loss. Maximum bonus bet $1,250. Bonus bet expires 14 days after receipt. Tier credits and reward credits will be added to the account within seven days after qualifying wager settles. See caesars.com. Com slash promos for full terms. Void where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start. Gambling problem? Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino, call one 800 522 4700 Indiana, call one 800 9 with it. Iowa, call one 800 bets off. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-stop. licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Harris, New Orleans. Massachusetts, call one 800 327 5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. Michigan, call one 800 270 7117 Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Ohio, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling one 800 Gambler, it's 1 800 426 2537. Or in West Virginia, visit 1 800 gambler.net. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit style pizza in the country, there's no competition. And I have to say, speaking from experience recently, having tried it for the first time in Detroit, it is absolutely delicious. Right now, you can get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Let's do the Chargers. I think uh, the Chargers most people have penciled in kind of number two behind the cheese. I probably agree. But um, this feels like this is a big year for this team. We start there. Like Not only is Brandon Staley probably on the hot seat, it feels like a big year for Justin Herbert because um, I talked about this in the Levitard show this morning. He I think he's 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 sort of divisive on the internet. I think in large part because I don't think there's just enough fans to defend him. But uh, <laughs> I also think he's a guy where we've really, I think tape heads love him because he's so talented and there's so much to like about his game. But also, I think he's a player where you have to really like context he's a player where it's like on once I think the flip side, like those who defend him and support him say context matters a lot and point to the injuries, the play calling, whatever. And then on the other side, those who do not like him or who I don't like the fact that he's viewed maybe uh, in different light from their quarterback call all of those things excuses. So this year, <laughs> And this is why him, I guess it doesn't matter for him in, in the like scheme of like, real things, but it matters in the public discourse. Uh, this year, I would argue, he goes into this season with probably the best situation he's had since becoming an NFL quarterback. The Chargers offensive line looks finally healthy. Knock on wood, every freaking surface. Uh, I think many people, I, I, I imagine you're in this group, JP, view going from Joe Lombardi to Kellen Moore as an upgrade. Play caller, Mike Williams and Keenan Allen both entered the season healthy, and they're adding Quentin Johnston, who's a big yards after the catch, threat to this receiving group. Do you feel like everything I just described solves the problems we had, that the Chargers offense had last year?
1: I mean, I'm, it's kind of a cop-out answer to say, I'm just not sure yet. I think one of my biggest questions that I have for the Chargers is how much of a difference is there between the Kellen Moore offense and Joe Lombardi? I think when you look at both these Cowboys offense and the Chargers offense side-by-side, they kind of struggled with the same things, which was congestion, (laughs) lack of explosiveness Everything felt like it was on the quarterback to make an absolutely perfect throw, whether that be because of injuries, whether that be because of inconsistency along the offensive line, which both Dallas and Los Angeles struggled with, or whether that be, it might just be that's how the quarterback plays. I think with Justin Herbert, he is so much of a robot quarterback that he wants to get from one to two to three as many times as possible. When sometimes you can just say, I'm really good at this. I can throw the ball downfield if I wanted to. And that's really the biggest thing. Can Kellen Moore, one, coax that coax that ability back out of Justin Herbert? His average depth of target has gone down since his rookie year. And I think that's kind of a result of, one, the beatings he took for, from his rookie year to this through this previous year. And also, just how smart of a player he is and the ability that he has to get from one to two to three. So I wonder how much of the offense is going to change can Kellen Moore coax that out of them? And can they be a little better in the short area, like short yards? Because they were horrendous in getting the short yardage.
0: The Herbert haters are like, so you're saying he doesn't throw down the field because he's too smart? They're so mad. Uh, he's risk averse. I think that's worth noting, though. Yeah. It's not just uh, the progression stuff. I do think he's, he's since entering the NFL, been pretty risk averse as a quarterback, Um, to his benefit and his detriment at times. I think it's like that combination of risk aversion and arm talent is uh, what drives us crazy sometimes or drives. And yeah, uh, but again, risk averse isn't just in terms of wanting to avoid interceptions. I also think offensive line injuries have played a role in that risk aversion certainly did last year. So yeah, I think, um, it, I'll be interested in seeing how much more explosive they look from the jump. I, I, I'm not sure how much Quentin Johnston say say changes that, Beth. Um,
1: I'm not either.
0: You know, yeah, right? Like, me. I think we all thought they were going to take a speedster, like a Flowers or an Addison or whatever. Johnston is a guy where... He can win downfield. He's fast. But his the explosiveness he he brings is a, as a yards after catch threat. And I'm also like not sure how they're going to use him early on because I think you know the problem with him or I guess the questions were about his hands and his and you know, I don't think he's going to come into the NFL being used as like a, you know, true like, you know, boundary receiver, run every route. Like I think they're going to really try to come up with ways to use him as a yak threat. Some of that will be on, you know, schemed up touches. Some of that will just be on crossers and slants and that kind of, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure if he is like the exact solve in terms of like stretching the field from a spatial perspective.
1: Yeah. I don't know if it's the, I don't think it's the speed that they needed. I think Quentin Johnson should be on the Christian Watson diet of a rookie wide receiver early, which is jet sweeps yeah. get him running along the X axis and the Y axis. Meaning you eat, you either run fast in a straight line across the field or fast in a straight line down the field. I don't know if, he is as good of a route runner to be kind of this slot receiver, even boundary receiver to win consistently. And I don't think his hands are good enough right now to be a consistent winner on the outside. So I think you have to get him on that jet sweep, get him design touches where he can use that ability after the catch to make it to, to see what he did in college. So I'm just wondering, it, it makes sense. Like like I understand you getting to the answer that you did. I just don't know if the process here yeah. is gonna stop, right?
0: It's yeah, that's a good way to put it. He's a good player. I think he's gonna be useful. I think he does he adds something different to their offense. It just wasn't like, oh, this is the glaring, like the you know, it wasn't like a the kind of perfect solution for the problem watching them last year. I will say this. I think for as much time as we spend talking about how the Chargers offense needs to be explosive, the run game was arguably the bigger or as big of an issue last year, and that certainly came to a head in the playoffs. I think the uh, lack of rushing efficiency, particularly on early downs, is as responsible as anything for the the collapse to to your Jaguars. And while I think you can point to Kellen Warren and his success calling rushing offense attacks in Dallas and and hope that he can come in and make it better, I think it's just about the players, honestly. Like, you know, when I I think about um, how bad they were running the football last year, to me, it was really just blocking. And maybe, you know, Eckler could do more. I know, you know he didn't make particularly high in, in some of the NGS stats that point that try to isolate the back, but like I really think just get, having a healthy offensive line is the most important thing to getting this rushing game back on track. I mean, I was just looking at splits between 2022 and 2021, and the thing that really... Because 2021, they were pretty average, slightly above average rushing team. 2022, that drops. <laughs> the most glaring stat, and there's quite a few of them um, is just how bad they were last year on outside runs, worse than the NFL in yards per carry rushing outside the tackles, um, particularly atrocious last year, rushing to the left side, whereas in <laughs> 2021 <laughs> they were phenomenal six in the NFL uh, in, in yards per carry. That's a Rashawn Slater stat. So I think just getting Rashawn Slater back is going to help a lot in that regard.
1: I think Rashawn Slater is going to help a lot. I think Austin Eckler is really good. I think he's going to get a lot better. I think where he's at his best is using burst and vision. So I think the outside zone stuff, getting Rashawn Slater yeah. back is going to help him a lot there. But I also think the defenses have started to adjust now to outside zones. Like when I was watching the Chargers, they mm. don't really – Last year, they didn't really run that much outside of like outside zone and counter. There's a lot of Gerald Everett blocking where I was like, I don't really need to see this right now. So I think they're going to try to do a little bit more like duo inside zone runs. But for that, I think you need a different style of back than Austin Eckler. I love Austin Eckler, but I don't think that's necessarily where you can use him best. I think they need a they need kind of a back that will be able to get those short yardage runs where you don't where you can't run outside zone every time. So getting a bigger back in there will help them out a lot. But like you said, just getting Rashawn Slater back is going to give that entire offense a boost. I think they need not only a healthy offensive line, but a consistently healthy one. They were, they were moving around pieces like every week.
0: Be interesting to see if they are a guy who might, I don't know, like Zeke Elliott is out there.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Zeke is very much the guy that I had in mind. Like, if, yeah, as if you're if you describing, hard,
0: he'll get the to whole. You they also really need a blocking tight end, which they just don't have on their roster. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, that's a great point about the diversity of the run game. I mean, that that's that something that Moore was was very good at in Dallas. It was a very diverse run game, and one that got more diverse, I think, over the course of his time there. So if there's things that they can do to mix it up, this is like one of the kind of bigger like the the football becoming more gap oriented in response to the way defenses mm-hmm. play now I is kind of one of the the metas of the NFL, right? Like so that would be something that is interesting to keep an eye on. Um, yeah, lot to lot. there's a lot this is the Chargers Dolphins is like one of my the games I have week one I want to watch, and I think the Charger's offense and what it looks like and whether there's changes is one of the more interesting storylines in the NFL. Um, the Chargers' defense uh, on the flip side largely looks the same. Uh, the biggest difference is that they brought in Eric Kendricks at linebacker, which is kind of like their biggest signing of the off season. Um, I think the hope there is, you know, it's interesting. Kind of Brandon Staley and his time as Chargers head coach has not, has yet to solve the run defense problem. It was massive problem last year. They did get better as the season went on, but they still ultimately finished 29th versus the run versus 10th versus the pass. Um, He brought in some of his guys last year, and I think they actually did help a lot. Those defensive tackles played pretty well, but the problem in run defense to me was not um, about the defensive line. It was not about the interior. It was about the edges and the second level and corners and, that Yeah, so I th- I guess they, the hope is that Kendricks can shore that up. I mean, do you think that they can be – because it was just – I mean, it was awful. This, was, this run defense was awful last year. It
1: was horrible. Horrible. I think, like, a few weeks ago, there was, like, this quote where, like, Brandon State was like, yeah, we'll give up four or five yards a run if we can stop the 40-yard explosives. And then I went and looked up – how many yards they gave up per carry. And it's almost six. And I'm like, Hey man, you might want to slow down here. (laughs) We know you want to stop the explosive passes, but if teams are just going to run the ball for six yards to carry on you, that's a first down like every two plays. So I think one thing that they really struggled with, I think, I think the new additions that they had last year helped, but the depth really, really killed them. And it's kind of the same like every year for the chargers, they don't have a lot of depth up front, and also their linebackers, Kenneth Murray, has just not worked out. I don't think that it, that experiment has worked out at all. I don't think he's very good against the run. I don't think he sees it very well. I think Dayon Henley, the rookie, will probably get a lot more playing time as the season goes on. And I also think with the way that they play their light boxes, they ask a lot of their nickel. Yeah. And Asante Samuel Jr. played nickel last year. He's not, very, he's not a tackler at that position. <laughs>
0: he's not so, a tackler.
1: Yeah, he's... He is we talked about justin herbert being risk averse when it comes to turnovers asante samuel jr is risk averse when it comes to tackling people
0: he's good in coverage so,
1: but yes yeah. he's great player, but i don't think that's the spot for him um alex Katzen chargers wire he mentioned that jasir taylor is getting the first uh the first team snaps Ooh, in the slot so now you're kind of stuck with this problem of where does asante samuel jr play it does he play on the outside where he's 510 180 maybe and you, you go up against some some of the bigger receivers and you have that problem or do you try and play him a slot again where you ask so much of that slot guy to be a, in the run fit that I don't think you can play him there. So I think it's gonna it's gonna be interesting to see how Brandon Staley kind of adjusts hmm. because now they're just kind of hammering him and hammering runs at their nickel defender who just can't tackle. So it'll be interesting to see what happens.
0: One of the biggest gaps, and when I was trying to like look at the Chargers run defense and like find, okay, what's what's the problem here? They actually finished first in power, which is uh football outsiders metric for runs on third or fourth downs, two yards or less. So basically, you know, can, that's, you know, like Sebastian Joseph Day, for example, who they I was one of the guys that Staley brought in. Like, that's a That's him. That's their defensive. T- you know, they're, they're actually it's not that they were like soft there. And then they finished 31st in second level run defense. And I think that gap is really what explains that high yards per carry number. I mean, the thing about Samuel Jr. is like if you play him outside, teams are going to run at him. He just has to get better at it, frankly, to be playable at this point. Um, You know, JC Jackson is someone to keep an eye on, too, in terms of like he had a season-ending injury last year. I'm not quite sure what his status is right now, but he's in the mix as well. Um, Yeah, they just, I mean, the second-level defenders all have to be better at stopping the run. I think Hendricks will help. Uh, which is, you know, I mean, this is a, otherwise a Chargers' past defense that I think did figure things out last year, um, especially, you know, we 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 talked a lot about Staley's game plans against some of the better offenses in the league. I think he got good play out of guys like Michael Davis, who none of us had penciled in as being like an impact uh, member of that secondary. Derwin James is still Derwin James. Um I you know I I think uh, you get a I mean when you consider all the injuries they had on defense last year the fact that they finished that they played as well as they did at points is <laughs> kind of impressive yeah. um, you know like they didn't have Joey Bosa for like the vast majority of the season like that's you know Mac I thought had a bit of a down year but they got to solve the run defense thing and none of it will matter and that's kind of like a, you know I talked about this with the Eagles last week JP but like I'm not saying run defense matters more like that certainly still doesn't matter as much as past defense in today's NFL. But I think because of sort of what we were talking about with the run game, because of the way sort of football has moved over the last couple of years, you can't be, you have to be competent at it and they were not competent at it last year.
1: Yeah. I think with the cyclical nature of football, we're going to, I think we're going to start seeing it this year with more teams getting into 12, 21 personnel because of how much lighter the defenders are in the box and how many light box count teams are playing. They're just going to say like, yeah, we'll just run power and counter at you until those 240 pound edges just cannot stop the run anymore. So it is going to be interesting to see how Brandon Staley kind of adjusts to that because he was kind of the one that saw the light box like revolution kind of start yeah in the nfl i think the jc jackson thing is very interesting because last year whether it be because of injuries and just because they didn't have a lot enough bodies brandon staley played a lot more man after jc jackson got hurt which like i said could be due to they just didn't have it's a lot easier to tell your four string db to just go guard that man every week but jc jackson comes from a man man-based scheme in New England. And before he got hurt, he was not that great at adjusting to the zone-heavy defense that Brandon Staley played. So I wonder if they do play a little bit more man, which works a little bit better with the personnel that he has. He doesn't have to play zone all the time because these guys can get after it in man coverage.
0: Yeah, that'll be it. It was an interesting evolution in his defense as the year went on. It wasn't, I think we associated him... You know, with the coming from the Rams with light boxes, gap and a half zone too high, and you know the Chargers. That's not what they did at the end of last year. It was really, um, like I, I do think it was very game plan specific the defense. But I also, your to your point, they did play a ton of man. I think he, you know he really needs the edges are very important in run defense as well in that yeah. system. And Mac was not good in run defense last year. I mean when Bosa went out, you're looking at like Chris Rumpf who's undersized. They drafted the kid out of um uh was it UCLA or USC, Thule, who's a, I mm-hmm. uh I mean I mean he's gonna be probably more of like a designated USC, Thule uh Tupelodu. Yeah. Uh <laughs> Um, who's, you know, I, I think he'll be more of like a designated pass rusher at the beginning and backing up either Bosa or Mac, but there's still good players. It's a good defense. There's good players. They still have, you know, Bosa's still amazing. James is still amazing. Hopefully Kendrick stores up the run defense. Um, Curious to see how the cornerback room shakes out. It'll be interesting to watch. I'll just put it that way. I'm very interested to see their week one game plan against Miami. Uh, is, I can't wait, actually.
1: To headed, for, headed towards the Twitter dialogue bold, too. That is going to be such an unsafe day for anybody <laughs> who says Justin Herbert is good, and just an unsafe day for anybody who is a Tua believer.
0: It's just, a, well, it's just, a, but it's a great day for people who like football nerd stuff because I think yes. McDaniel versus Staley round two is going to be a really fascinating one.
1: It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile.
0: The Raiders signed Marcus Peters. Um, they really needed Marcus Peters. Yeah. Even Even with Marcus Peters coming off of a down year, he is still probably the best outside cornerback on their roster. This is a pretty challenged secondary, shall we say. They were one of the worst pass defenses in the NFL last year. They weren't really good at anything except Max Crosby. That's what they were good at. (laughs) They were good at Max Crosby. Um, Let's start with the defense before we get to the offense. Can you make a case for the defense being better this year with changes that they've made and additions?
1: (laughs) I mean, if Marcus Peters can turn back the clock a little bit, I mean, they played the eighth most man coverage snaps last year, and that's what Marcus Peters does. I think a lot of the down year in Baltimore was associated with he's just not a zone corner. He just, he just yeah. isn't that at this stage in his career. So maybe the scheme change will help him a little bit, but even outside of that, you need so much more help in that secondary. I still have zero faith in the linebackers. Their defensive line will, will probably be. Fine as long as you have Max Crosby, you will be fine to good, but outside of like that front four, everybody else is a major question mark.
0: So, Dean Hobbs was a good slot corner, so maybe moving him back inside helps. Duke Shelley, but then it's like, well, then does Duke Shelley play outside? He's mm-hmm. he was good for Minnesota, but I don't know if you want him. I mean, he's like five. Nine maybe I <laughs> generous. They drafted Jacory and Ben, who's a corner I kind of like out of Maryland. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's a it's it's not great. You you bring in Marcus Epps, who's a competent safety. Okay, so like the the most optimistic picture for this defense is that Tyree Wilson, who I believe is still out with the foot thing, which is not not great. Tyree Wilson. Max Crosby, Chandler Jones returns to form. It's not the, the best case scenario. Is not a lot of guys like returning to form or playing their best football or rising up to the upside case. So that's you have a great four man rush. Marcus Peters goes back to not that long ago. You know, playing really well gets a bunch of turnovers. Nate Hobbs goes back to the slot potential we saw earlier in his career. Duke Shelley is you know this kind of scrappy uh ball hawk that he has been at times to corian bennett maybe you get flashes from him if he plays marig plays like he did at the very beginning of his career there was a little bit more promise there Marcus Epps shores up the back end it's a lot of conditional things happening at once it's it's a uh, it's yeah that's that's, to me, the best possible scenario for the Raiders' defense.
1: Yeah, it's a lot of ifs. It's basically kind of going off of the idea that pressure creates turnovers or problems yes. to help the, uh, the other part of the defense. They're leaning all in on that. I think I think Chandler Jones will return to form at this season. I think he started to play a little better towards the later end of the season. Um, Tyree Wilson is still being on the uh, physically unable to perform list. Really sucks, but I thought they were going to kind of yeah. slow play him back all along because coming off of foot surgery and he he was a four eye kind of five tech in, te- in Texas Tech and now he's going to be out on the edge in the NFL. I think they're going to slow play that all along, but you can kind of see like on pass rushdowns, Tyree Wilson on the inside, Chandler Jones, and Max Crosby on the outside. And be like, hey, that's scary. I like how that. I think that can work but you know it's a lot of wishing a lot of hoping in the, on the back end and I mean I love Jacory a minute but he, I think he and Duke Shelley are the same size so
0: yeah it's
1: it's it's going to be a lot of wishing a lot of hoping I think Nate, Nate Hobbs can return to form in the slot but I don't know it's a like you said a lot of hoping for this secondary
0: yeah let's talk about the offense there's just not much <laughs> else. That's depressing. Max Crosby's awesome. He's so good. Yeah, he's such a good player. He's, he's become. I I, I posted a, a a play he made blowing up the run. He's so complete now. It's it's cool. Okay, there you go, Raiders it, fans.
1: Yeah, he's. We like Max Crosby, the best backside run defender in the NFL. Dude, just just awesome. Watching him chase down plays. It's not like he's chasing down like six yard tackles. He's like no, two yard tackles. He
0: is, he yes. He is, he is relentless rigging. and he's gotten so good at IDing runs and so good against the option. Like it's good you have to be to be that size to be good in run defense. Um, yeah,
1: he is the literal definition of relentless. I think he played the most snaps of every defensive lineman, really? both in pass rush and run defense he never left the field and was still amazing like it, he we we throw relentless out there a lot max crosby is really truly <laughs> relentless
0: i posted a play that just that was one of his like many tfls and i feel bad because it's Andres peep is coming across as part of the counter uh, action and Saints fans are immediately like Anders because he gets under Anders Pete and then Anders Pete just goes flying. Um, but Ted Wynn, who covers the Raiders, does a great job for the Athletic. Talked to him about that play. He replied to me, and I guess uh, Crosby knew what it was because of the way the tight ends were oriented. Um, just super big brain stuff. Uh, yeah. plus a little bit of freelancing. You know, it's always awesome. Okay, the offense. So the offense is really interesting. I actually am very intrigued by this Raiders offense. I'm very curious to watch it. Um, going from Jimmy G to Derek Carr, it's an interesting move uh, because I think Derek Carr... And I've said this before, is a more talented quarterback. He's got more arm talent. I think he's more likely to throw downfield. He can play plays out of structure. I believe all of that, but I also believe Jimmy G's probably going to be better at a Josh McDaniels offense. Um, that's what really struck me last year. Like Carr just never seemed to buy into it. And it requires buy in. You need a quarterback who's going to, you know, I mean, we. I think we it's not just an assumption that this offense is going to be Patriots-like because it's Josh McDaniels. Everything they have done, everything this organization has done from a personnel perspective speaks to the fact that they want it to look more like a Patriots offense.
1: Yeah, and as much as I think Jimmy G is a goofy goober playing quarterback, what he does very well is he's very good at passing out of 12 and 21 personnel. I think – one of the things that I w- yeah. that I noticed watching the Raiders' offense is you kind of realize why they traded Darren Waller, which is as good as he was the receiver, he cannot block, and that basically rendered their twelve personnel kind of useless because you can just play a nickel there. You don't have to for you don't have to force them into playing heavier personnel. So I think with adding, I think it's Austin Hooper, and then yeah, they had- also got Hoop. Michael Mayer. Cooper, Mayer, I think they're going to lean heavily into 12-21 yeah. run game. I love Jakob Johnson. This is very much a niche football thing, but I love how Jacob Johnson plays. He's such an awesome run blocker. I'm so glad they brought him from New England to Las Vegas because he just, once they started giving him more snaps and they started to lean heavily into the 12 and 21 personnel, I feel like that's when their offense really took off. But I do, I do kind of wonder, like, is the run game going to actually be, like, a little different, a little worse without Josh Jacobs? Like, I think Josh Jacobs. He really ain't holding me.
0: out. He's not. He's I don't, playing. Stop it. I don't Dude, know. Saquon I'll, just I'll, agreed I'll, to, like, an incentive for Nichols. Like. I,
1: I would like to see if Josh Jacobs holds out. I don't know if he will, but if he does, like. That's a very singularly important part of that yeah. offense. I mean his first down rate was first among running backs. He wasn't he was not only explosive, but he kept the chains moving. So I think if you have Josh Jacobs, I can I can very much see a world where Jimmy G is better in this offense than Derek Carr because this that's what Jimmy G does. He can he can do this very well.
0: Yeah, it's like we know what the offense, we know what Josh McDaniels wants it to look like. They want the power running game you talked about it 12 personnel 21 personnel motion play action when it's not play action the ball's out quick middle of the field jimmy g does all that that's a jimmy g yeah. offense right you get you look you think about the offense you think about the players they added it makes sense my concern beyond whether you know that's the ceiling of that i think is Simply, I think the offensive line, um, sure. because we do know Jimmy G for all the fact he does all of those things, but he also is, is not, uh, he's a pressure sensitive quarterback. This <laughs> is not a great pass protecting offensive line. So I think that's where the vision starts to run into a little bit of trouble is when you're like, okay, I, yeah, this makes sense. I get it. Jimmy G, Josh McDaniels, his offense. It makes sense. Patriots. Yeah. Patriots Vegas, but the offensive line is not great. And I think that's where you can start running into problems.
1: Yeah, I think for this offense to actually get to a point where you can be like, hey, if we put all this stuff right together, we can possibly make a run for the playoffs. It has to be the offensive line getting better and pass protection. Because like you said, Jimmy G is very, very pressure sensitive. He's going to spin move out or just immediately throw it to the defense. You have, you have to figure out a better way a better way to protect Jimmy G for this, for this entire thing to work, whether it be through play action, whether it be through adding extra personnel to keep them in or keep extra blockers in, you got to find a way to protect Jimmy G because I mean, as long as Devonte Adams is out there, you can just say point and shoot, point and fire. Like, Hey, you give the ball to Devonte Adams and just figure it out, figure it out after that. He was still like, really awesome last year. Dude, but, oh, I
0: feel so bad for him. I mean, like, not only do you... I mean, look, they were not great last year, but at least he got to play with his friend, and he played with a friend who was going to throw to him outside at all costs, downfield, let him win. Now his friend has been replaced by one of the quarterbacks who was most averse to doing that in the (laughs) entire NFL. Like, I mean... It's, you can and he's barely agitated about it, but you gotta be you can't be happy if you're Devontae yeah. Adams with the direction of this.
1: I'd be a little frustrated. Coming off of fourteen <laughs> touchdowns, really extending he was going deep a lot. Like late later on in the season, as they yeah. started to get into that twenty one personnel, as they started to get see more defenses have heavier looks, you basically created an isolation uh play for Devontae Adams and he's gonna win that like 80 to 90% of the time. So you go from Derek Carr actually saying like, yeah, I'll, just, I'll throw it deep to you anytime to Jimmy G, who will probably do that like once every 35 snaps maybe. I'd be a little frustrated, but Hunter Renfro is probably going to kill it. <laughs> <They're> gonna, <laughs> Hunter Renfro is probably going to see a whole lot of targets.
0: Yeah. It's, I don't know what the Raiders are doing. I know what they're doing. I just don't approve <laughs> entirely of it all. It, it, even though I'm, I everything they did offensively, I'm like, it's probably going to look better. It's probably, I actually think this is going to be a better offense. But it's, it's, it's still they're they're one of the more confusing teams to me in the NFL in terms of kind of like what's what's the long term plan here? Like, what do you you know, you're not going to win the division. You're, it's like they're they're building it in Josh McDaniels' image, but to what end is is what I ask. Yeah, um, yeah I don't know. I mean, I have them fourth. I, I have, you know, I'm, I'm I'm probably I'm thinking probably Chiefs, Chargers, Broncos, Raiders. Um, and I say that by the way, believing that I think the Raiders' offense could could be more efficient than the Broncos' offense. I just think the Broncos' defense is better, way better.
1: Yeah, I think right now I think I oh, owe Chiefs, Chargers, Broncos, Raiders because I just have far too many questions about the Raiders' defense. But I honestly kind of think if everything like work, it's again a big if. If everything works out right with the Broncos, like they can they can really challenge the Chargers for that second spot. I think the defense is still going to be pretty good. Yeah, if Russell Wilson, just if he's not last year, Russell Wilson, then. Maybe you get you get something here.
0: I think it's the question. It's just kind of like, how good does he have to be? If he's just average, is the defense good enough? I don't know. It's an interesting. It's an interesting division. I'll put it that way. Um, I think we can all agree, however, that the Chiefs 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 will be fine. And uh,
1: Chiefs and everybody else, right now.
0: Yeah, as always. Well, that's that's the NFL. JP Acosta, for those who um, aren't familiar with your work at SB Nation, where should I direct people?
1: So at go on Twitter or X now uh, at Acosta32 <laughs> underscore JP. I tweet a lot of stuff um, through, during the football season. I'm going to be bringing back established the fun, which is a column my right about That's football. Whether at every level, I think things are football's fun, and I like to write about the things that are fun in football. So every week, every Friday, I write established fun. And yeah, I'll just be tweeting about football, tweeting about random things, or I don't want to say what they call it now because I don't know how to pronounce it. You're exing. I don't want to say, yeah, I'm I'm exing. I'm exing. I'm exing. See what I'm exing? And uh, yeah, just follow me there.
0: Well, you guys should definitely check it out. Check out JB's column. It's terrific. Thank you, as always, for coming on the show.